This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Hayesville, North Carolina. Welcome to a Friday morning wake-up call here on Sports Country Radio. It is frigid outside. I guess I can't be complaining too much considering uh, what they're facing up in the Northeast. A, a, a huge snowstorm uh, in uh, upstate New York, western New York, uh, causing the NFL actually to move a football game out of Buffalo. And uh, over to Detroit, <laughs> one one cold place to another, but uh, the, the snow is pretty bad up there. But it was 20 degrees here in the mountains of western North Carolina this morning, way too early for this. You know, I, I moved out of the north down south, and I, knew, I, don't, I know moving into the mountains you're going to get some cold, but good Lord. Uh, it is uh, frigid this morning, so... Uh, uh, we're uh, But we're snuggled up here in the studio. We've got Dan Zampano coming up at 9.15 to talk uh, NFL football. We'll talk about last night's game. We'll talk about some of the things from last week, some of the news around the NFL this week. And, of course, he'll give us our uh, his predictions for the week. Disastrous week on the predictions for Dan last week. But uh, we, we'll get him on here to, uh, to take his medicine at 9.15 uh, this morning. Uh, before we get to that, a couple of things. The... Uh, MVP awards given out in Major League Baseball last night. Aaron Judge, Paul Goldschmidt, uh, the AL and NL winners, respectively. It was interesting. This morning I saw headlines like shocking. You know, uh, people were kind of surprised that Aaron Judge won the MVP. And to me, there was no. I mean, I don't think there should have been any debate. I Look, and, and as I said, if Aaron Judge didn't win it this year over Shohei Otani, then it was just going to be a case of let's just give Otani the award every year before the season starts. You know, the fact that he's a two-way player, that he pitches, and that he hits, congratulations. It's great. Look, it's a hell of an accomplishment. He's done stuff that Babe Ruth hasn't done. Let's, you know, people talk about Babe Ruth being a two-way player, and and he was, but not to the degree of Otani. Basically, in Boston, Babe Ruth was a pitcher in the early part of his career. He pitched, and he played the outfield occasionally. Uh, when he went to the Yankees, he was an outfielder, and he pitched just a handful of times for the Yankees. So, yeah, he could do both things, but he didn't do them uh, at both times the way Otani does. It's a hell of an accomplishment. But, look, what Aaron Judge did this year was phenomenal, and, and, it, t- and it goes to show you what the baseball season was like. I got a, uh, a text message last night from Eric Braun, a friend of mine that I do a podcast with called The Boys of Summer along with my buddy Paul Arnold, and he said, you know, that's kind of where this baseball season was when we found ourselves rooting for a New York Yankee to win an award, <laughs> right? I mean, I, I really want a judge to win this award. And not because he's, you know, despite the fact he's a Yankee. But one of the things I always love about Aaron Judge is he looks like he's having fun. He's a classy dude, and he just can flat-out rake. And not only that, he is a hell of an outfielder. He's got a cannon, 
And, uh, I mean, a guy that's six foot seven playing center field, you know, uh, amazing. So, and look, you know, broke the AL record with 62 home runs this year, hit over 300, did everything you could possibly ask, and he kept that team in the race. The Yankees were deader than a canned ham this year, if not for Aaron Judge. There were times that he was the only guy in that lineup consistently hitting the baseball. Now, did they win a World Series? No. You know, and and I'm still surprised Aaron Judge has a job. I'm still surprised that Brian Cashman has a job. But having said that, you know, you can't blame Aaron Judge. He did everything he could do. And the fact that Yankee fans were booing him at times in the playoffs, shame on you. Goes to show you about Yankee fans. Shame on you. Otani finished second, but Aaron Judge got all but two of the first-place votes. He got 28 of the 31st-place votes. And uh, and when he, didn't, when he wasn't picked first, he was pitched second. Pick second. So Otani finishes second in the uh, voting, and Jordan Alvarez of the Houston Astros finishes third. In the National League, you know, it was a it was a tighter race, but Goldschmidt, 35 years old, wins his first MVP. Hit 317 this year with uh, 35 homers, 115 runs batted at an OPS of 981. I mean, he was he got on base over 40 percent of the time. Um. He was been the runner-up in 2013, 2015. I think he finished third another year. But it's his first, and uh, he is the oldest MVP in league history, I do believe, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Manny Machado finished second in the voting from the San Diego Padres. He had a hell of a year. And Nolan Arenado, Goldschmidt's teammate in St. Louis, uh, finished third in the voting. Ar- Arenado, 293, th- 30 homers, 103 runs batted in this year. Goldschmidt, by the way, gets a million and a half dollar bonus for winning the MVP. Million and a half bucks. Good for him. <laughs> Good for him. Um, Rob Manfred with a uh, a bit of a press conference yesterday. One of the things that was addressed, Pete Rose has applied to Major League Baseball for reinstatement once again. Of course, as you remember, he was banned for life back in 1989 by Bart Giamatti. Um, He tried to get reinstated seven years ago. Didn't happen. Uh, Look, this is the guy that is the all-time leader in hits in Major League Baseball. And because – and and he's not eligible for the Hall of Fame, and that's the Hall of Fame committee's decision. He's banned from baseball, which means he can't do anything official uh, with the team uh, with Major League Baseball. But the Hall of Fame then took the decision that because he's banned from baseball, he's not eligible for the Hall of Fame. Same thing with Shoeless Joe Jackson um, and a couple of other guys from the Black Sox scandal back in 1919. Look, here's the thing, and I've talked about this before. Pete Rose bet on baseball. There is no doubt about that. Pete Rose has a gambling problem. There is no question about that. But Pete Rose, nobody Loved Pete, uh, Pete loved baseball more than Pete Rose. Nobody. Never bet on his team to lose, by the way. And, and I'm not forgiving the fact that he bet on baseball. I'm not, you know, look, there's a, there's a uh, one of the biggest tenets in, in Major League Baseball is you do not gamble. It's on in every clubhouse. Having said that, when you have Major League Baseball getting into bed with gambling organizations like DraftKings. FanDuel, 
Uh, you know, when you when you have uh, Bally Casino owning regional sports networks that are broadcasting Major League Baseball games, when you have your organization in bed with gambling, how can you then say, well, but we're not going to let this guy into baseball because he gambled? That is, that is the ultimate hypocrisy, in my opinion. So, you know, and look, he's 81 years old. He's been banned for the last 33 years. Enough. Let's stop the madness. Let's let the guy back in. Let's get him in the Hall of Fame where he belongs. Look, if you're going to let steroid users and cheaters into the Hall of Fame, you know, uh, how can you keep this guy out? Do I love – am I a big fan of Pete Rose? No. He's an asshole. Excuse my language. You know, and he was, you know, very unapologetic about what he had done in the beginning. And, you know, look, but he's – I don't want to say he's seen the error of his ways, but he's seen the error of his ways. It's time. Enough. Uh, one other quick note before we uh, get to Dan Zampano. Um, the World Cup announced yesterday, two days before the World Cup is scheduled to start, uh, that – Beer is not going to be allowed at any of the venues at the World Cup in Qatar. I repeat, no booze at the World Cup at the games. That'd be like saying you can't go to a baseball game or a football game and have a beer. But what the hell did they expect when you allowed a World Cup to be played in Qatar in a place that has fundamentalist Muslim Views They have wasabiism, and that's the same thing, by the way, that Saudi Arabia has. Or Wahhabism, however it's pronounced. But I, I worked in Saudi Arabia. There was no booze. You know, there was no booze. I wanted to have a drink. I had to get on an airplane and fly to Bahrain to have, have booze. So, you know, what did they expect? The problem is, is one of the biggest sponsors of the World Cup is the parent company of Budweiser, AB InBev, and they ship like their entire <laughs> their, their like entire inventory from England over for the World Cup. Now it can still be sold at uh, you know at parties. It can still be sold at, like they're having a big. Uh, uh, fan fest or something like that. There can be booze there. There can be booze at like satellite places well away from the venues. So what you're going to have is you're going to have people getting loaded somewhere else before they come to the games. But once the game starts, there'll be no booze there. They're going to sell non-alcoholic beer. Oh, good luck. That's going to go over really big. What? Again, what did you expect? You know, in addition to the, you know, the, the whitewashing, a lot of the stuff that goes on there was try to whitewash it with sports the same way the Saudis are trying to do uh, with their uh, their own golf tour, the live tour. I mean, what did you expect? I'm just surprised they waited until two days beforehand to uh, to make this announcement. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh, one other quick hockey note, by the way. How about the Bruins? 15-2. and two to start the season. They're 10-0 and at home. Are you kidding me? They beat the Flyers last night 4-1. David Krejci with a couple of goals in the third period. They are, I mean, you know, I was skeptical when they fired their coach because I was a big fan. 
Uh, what uh, Jim Montgomery has done since coming to Boston, I mean, it's just ridiculous. 15-2 and two to start the season. They got, they're just going to run away and hide if uh, things continue this way. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Dan Zampano will join us to talk about NFL football. Back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. <laughs> uh, well, Gene, uh, I appreciate the uh, the sentiment, but, you know, you're probably the only person on the planet that thinks that way. So maybe outside of, you know, a fiancé. But that that's uh, – it's a good week. It's good to be back with uh, week 11 on the horizon here, and we're going to enjoy it. And after a crazy week last week, I don't know how we're going to be able to top it. Uh, yeah, there was Detroit of all places. That's shocking that they're moving the game to Detroit, from Buffalo to Detroit. I'm not sure whether that's a good thing, whether it's a bad thing. Uh, but if you're a Bills fan and the Bills Mafia, they've got to be irate. You know, I, I, what I don't understand about this is, we went this this happened what 6 7 years ago. Right. I mean, this was this was something that that you know happened on a Monday night. They moved a game, the Jets I think played they played them in Detroit maybe 6 or 7 years ago. And we went through a whole covid year where they just mixed around the schedule. And and I don't understand why the league has to take away home games from people just because, you know, there, there's snow coming in the air. I thought this was football, not baseball. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I don't know. I feel like I've played and seen snow before in games. One of my favorite games of all time happened in the snow in Foxborough many moons ago. So I just don't understand why the schedule can't change for these teams. Have a double Monday night header. Have the, give them the 24 hours to snow the, to plow the snow away. I just don't understand it, and it sucks for Buffalo. I know. I know it kind of screws up the schedule for the for the team that they're playing next, and Buffalo's got to play on Thursday and, and Thanksgiving. It's kind of a tricky situation, but you know I, I, they've done it before. I don't see why they can't do it again. Yeah, I guess I guess the um, I, I guess the only thing I can think of are two things: a because they do have to play on Thursday. They didn't want to have to have them play on Monday and then play on Thursday. So I kind of get that a little bit, but also the fact that. They're basically going to play two games in a row in Detroit. So they can go to Detroit for this game on Sunday and then just stay there for the Thursday game. So, I mean, I, I, mean, I guess I get it from that standpoint. But if you're Buffalo, especially after uh, what happened, um, you know, with this team, you're, you're, you don't want to lose a home game. I mean, let's be honest. Detroit is literally right next to Buffalo. <laughs> like well, yeah, I'm there not is really a... sure. I'm not really sure like why it's such a big deal. Oh, well, it's travel time. It's like, yeah, you could take a bus like two hours to Buff to Detroit. I mean, from true. Buffalo, yeah, it's, true. It's, yeah, it's so simple. So I, I don't know. It, it's it's just kind of a strange thing. But the league has to do what the league has to do. Um, so wild games last week. Um, we'll get to all those in a minute, but. In the aftermath of the Eagles finally losing their first game of the season. By the way, I got to give you, it was funny last week you said, you know, uh, if you're a better, it might be time to start betting against the Eagles every week. Well, it didn't take long because they lost last week, but in the wake of that, they've gone out and uh, uh, did a little signing. How about Indomitian Sue coming back and he has signed a one year contract with the Philadelphia Eagles? Um, is this just simply to try to stem the uh, the running attacks of other teams a little bit? Absolutely. I mean, you could see Jordan Davis, their prized rookie out of Georgia, has been out for some time with an ankle injury. And since he's been out, they just haven't had enough rotational guys 
on that defensive line to be able to, you know, thwart some of these rushing attacks. Fletcher Cox isn't the same player, right? And he's older. So they go out this week and they sign two older players. Right. They sign Endama Kinsu and they sign Limbaugh Joseph. And you think, well, why do they sign older guys? It's, it's not about, you know, the age per se. It's about getting guys rotation. If you can get Endama Kinsu to play 20 to 30% of the snaps, that's pretty good. And then you get right. Fletcher Cox and then you get Limbaugh Joseph. I mean, those are three high quality pro bowl players. I mean, that, that's, that's really, really good. And on top of it, what they already have on that defensive line is brutal right. to play against. So, you know, I, I, I applaud Howie Roseman, man. I mean, I have I said it for years, best GM in the league, just a wizard, best GM in the league. He does not care about, you know, he's got his corners, he's got his safeties, he's got everything he needs. But what they care about is defensive line pressure because they understand the game. They understand, hey, I would rather get pressure, stop the run, and and have a rotation of 12 guys, basically, that are all really good or decent players or future pro bowlers or former pro bowlers. I, I love the move. The you know the other thing that uh, you look at this that really hurt the Eagles now is Dallas Goddard has been placed on injured reserve with a shoulder injury. Uh, he's mm. he's had a hell of a year for them, um, and so he's going to miss at least the next four games starting this week. He can't return until week fifteen against Chicago. Uh, that's a big loss for them as well. No question, and I think you know they're going to have to replace that with some of those some of those backups like Grant Calcaterra is a, a, a young. Uh, guy that I liked out of SMU, a rookie tight end. He's going to have to step up. Other guys are going to have to step up. But I think the Eagles, you know, they love throwing over the middle of the field. They really like doing that. But they they are so geared towards, you know, those run-pass options that, yes, it affects them more in the passing game, but I think it affects their running game a lot too, because Goddard is such a good blocker. Right. Uh, they're going to have to find. They're going to have to find somebody to fill that role. Maybe they start bringing in some jumbo sets to add in a sixth offensive lineman on some of these. You never know. You never know. So uh, I still have confidence in the Eagles, but you're right. Goddard is a big ball. Um, so let's stay in that division for a second. And um, the decision was made by the Washington Commanders this week, and I, I think I don't know how you feel, but I think it was the right decision. That uh, that Taylor Heineke is going to stay at quarterback uh, for the Commanders um, against the Texans this Sunday. Carson Wentz is is uh, you know is ready to go supposedly, but I think this was the right move. Don't, I mean, I thought Heineke has played very very well. I mean, it's been the right move for like six weeks. You know? Why well, I, I know, mean, yeah. I, I you know this is this is a little too late for this move, and and you know if Wentz hadn't gotten hurt, they would have never you know, probably made this move as early as they did uh, uh, right now. But, I mean, you know, Heineke, yes, he turns the ball over at times. There's no question. But he just lists them. He he, he plays with a confidence about him yep. that Carson Wentz just does not have. I mean, it, it just it's sad because so talented. Carson Wentz may be more talented. But if you lack confidence, and it shows, if you lack confidence in yourself, uh, it doesn't matter how talented you are. And Heineke came from nothing. The guy was the guy was taking math classes at Old Dominion, <laughs> you know, three years ago, and right. uh, you know, got called up to start a playoff game when his legend was born. I mean, he's he's unbelievable at, at times, and you know, I think he deserves it for what he's been given to this franchise. Of the and all the turmoil that he's given them some stability at quarterback. There's no question. And it wasn't just the run game for Washington the other night. He made some absolutely fantastic throws when he needed to. 
granted, yeah, they got a lot of calls from the officials in that game. But yeah, they got some help. Nevertheless, nevertheless, Taylor Heineke played stupendous. Um, the uh, Green Bay Packers last night. Uh, that might have mm. that might have been the final nail in the coffin for their season, don't you think? I mean, uh, th- that look, the Titans are a really good team, and you could make the argument that they're the hottest team in the NFL right now. Um, but but man, you know, and and people will tell you know you look at Rogers' numbers last night, and you know, two touchdowns, no picks. But at the end of the day, he missed a lot of throws last night. He missed a lot of throws in the fourth quarter. Yes, looked off. Down. Yeah, getting booed. You know, I mean that 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 was really tough. I mean, give give you know the rest of the team credit here. They had chances. Yeah. I mean, at the end of that game in the fourth quarter, the Titans decided, nah, we're not going to score anymore. That's pretty much it. And you know, I, they've got a big interception. They got a bunch of third down stops on defense. Yep. Again, it was the they just could not capitalize on the third downs that they needed to capitalize on. Couldn't punch the ball in the end zone. I mean, Christian Watson, God bless him, he's that kid's already. I mean, he's going to be a star. Mm-hmm. I, I love what I'm seeing from him. But Rodgers, you can place a lot of the blame on him for this loss yeah. because of the fourth quarter throws that were not made. He made some good key third down conversions all the rest of the game, but in the fourth quarter when you needed it most, yeah. the Titans. You know, they played really well defensively, but there were throws to be made there for Rodgers. Honestly, Gene, I do think, though, that last night says more about the Titans than it does about the Packers. We knew the Packers were were just not a good team this year and, right. and, and have been struggling offensively. The Titans have won seven of their last eight. Yep. And the and the one that they lost, they really easily could have won with a backup quarterback. Right. So, you know, against the Chiefs. So, you know, I think this this – talks about the toughness of a Titans team to go in short week on the road against a Packer team that maybe had a little life get back from last week with the win against Dallas. But no, I mean, the Titans just continue to just do what they do. And Ryan Tannehill had one of the best games I've ever seen him play, honestly. He had an outstanding game, was hitting guys left and right, picking apart the zone defense of the Packers. I really like right now where the Titans are. They're kind of doing what they did last year is just kind of toughing out, gritting out wins and saying, hey, don't forget about us, and who knows, maybe they might end up in the number one seed again. Yeah, I thought the key to that game last night was after the Packers scored at the end of the third quarter to make it a three-point game, uh, the Titans just came out and shredded the Packer defense, scored a touchdown, mm-hmm. and it was almost like you when they answered like that and made it a 10-point game early in the fourth, you could almost see the body language on the entire Packer team going, oh, jeez. You know, what are we going to do now? I mean, you could, you could, I thought that that might have been the most important part of that game last night was that answering touchdown and, and the big pass by, by Tannehill. Yeah, it's like, I mean, it was basically like finding, you know, Al Capone's secret stash. You open the door and nothing's there because it worked so hard to get there and nothing's right. there. I mean, right. it's unbelievable. Yeah. So, you know, it's the Titans just continue to, when they need it, they get it. Yeah. I mean, and and that's a sign of a really good football team. Now their quarterback's going to have to play that way in, in in the playoffs, right? Against really good competition, and I do wonder, can they beat Kansas City like that? If they had Tannehill, maybe they win that game. You know, it opens up it opens up the the passing game a little bit more, and and they don't get you know one dimensional. Can they beat a team like Buffalo? I think they can stand toe to toe with them. They got smacked around in week two of the season, but 
the Titans are a different team now. They're a very different team now. They've, they've figured out their niche. They've figured out the, the gritty nature of themselves, which is what really they've always been. But their coaching is going to outcoach any of those coaches. I mean, he's just he gets the game. He strategizes it. Vrabel just strategizes the game and actually watches the game in, in the situation of which it is instead of just, you know, going off of analytics. He's, he's very, very smart like that. So it's a dangerous team like it is every year. Crazy stat they, they showed uh, on uh, the broadcast last night. What I think there were seven coaches hired in 2018, and Mike Vrabel's the only one of those guys hired in 2018 that still has a job. Talk about, talk about a job with no job security, NFL head coach. Yeah, all those guys that were all analytic-based and yep. and everything like that. And this guy, oh, he's just a linebacker's coach. What does he know? Well, I, I think he's pretty smart. Played under a few smart guys coaching, uh, guys named you know Belichick and others. So you think maybe he, he knows a thing or two about coaching? I think he does. Yeah, it's funny. I, I, uh, I, and I've never met Mike Vrabel, but his, uh, uh, I know his, uh, his cousin Tom Vrabel was our fencing coach. At uh, at Sacred Heart University, <laughs> so it's like, and and you know what? I mean, they they look. I mean, they even look alike. It's kind of scary. So, uh, but uh, uh, but I so I kind of I kind of root for him that in the fact that he was a patriot. Uh, look, let's get into last week's games. The crazy one of the craziest games I have ever seen. It, there's no ifs ands. Uh, the Minnesota Buffalo game last week was absolutely bananas, and the fact that the mm. Vikings take the lead. On a fumble recovery in the end zone, I figured it was. I mean, you you can't write a script like that. If that was in a movie, somebody was get the hell out of here, <laughs> right? Uh, I I honestly during that whole situation, I I was on a train back from Connecticut to down here to Virginia, and you know my signal was going in and out in the train, but I was watching it and. When Cousins got stopped on the one-yard line, uh, we were making a stop and had to move cars. I said, oh, I guess the game's over. I turned it off, called my buddy, and you know, who's a big Buffalo Bills fan, said, oh, you snuck that one out, didn't you? I said, did your heart stop yet? You know, And he goes, I may not show up tomorrow. Uh, and I said, why would he say something like that? He got a win. Right. And, and, he's like, and I'm like, what are you talking about? He says, look at the score. And I said, no way. I mean, there's just no way. There's no way. I yeah. look, I said, 30 to 27. Oh my gosh. Well, that's a tough loss. He goes, yeah. And the worst part is the Vikings got the, got the coin toss. I'm like, coin toss. He goes, yeah, it's in overtime. I'm like, Oh my God. I like, I'm oblivious. I need to catch. I need to find something. Right. Luckily there was a lovely, lovely woman there who was a big bills fan that had the game on uh, her phone. Let me watch it. It was unbelievable that I turned it right off. I just, I thought it was over. Right. I was done. And, and you know that is uh, that is the liking of of the miracle of the Meadowlands uh, back in the seventies, early eighties, uh, with the Herm Edwards and the Eagles and uh, scooping it up and running it in. I mean, that, that's exactly what that is. How can you not get the snap exchange right? I mean, that's right. unbelievable. But I, I credit something else. Justin Jefferson, I've been saying it for a year and a half. He's the best receiver in football. Right. I mean, he really is. I think that he cemented it right that was his game to to say hey um yeah i I have the most production of anybody in their first two years in nfl history and you know i'm just gonna ball out against the best team in the league especially when you know we are going into a game where one of our former players on the other team left us to go play here in buffalo and we traded him away 
and 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 maybe Stefan Diggs has something to prove. He made a great catch himself, but that was one of the best catches I've ever seen in my life. Right, uh, and and even more so, there were other catches in that game where I'm like, this is ridiculous. I mean, he's blanketed. Yep. Christian Benford, God bless him, had one of had an excellent game. He was blanket coverage on Justin Jefferson. He just couldn't get the ball not going in his hands. Yeah, it was ridiculous. He was he was covered up like crazy. It, it was a testament to how talented Justin Jefferson is to help the Vikings win that game. It was incredible. Yeah, 193 yards receiving, and it's you know everybody's been talking about, and and, and some of it I think is because of where he plays. You know, and I know they have a great record now, but he's still he's in Minnesota. But you when you have you know people talking about what's going on in Miami with the pair of receivers they have down there, I think Jefferson has flown, and everybody talks about Cooper Cup and everything. I think he's one of those guys that flies under the radar, as silly as that sounds. That's crazy because he his production. He had the greatest rookie season ever right. uh, as a receiver. Last year he, he he did it again. This year he's making unbelievable. I mean, every week this guy is a hundred yards receiving. It, it, right. It's a clockwork. And I know Tyree Kill's having the year of his life, year of his career. But I, I, I don't put it past Justin Jefferson to to be considered top echelon because he one hundred percent. I think he's one of one. His athletic ability, his size, his speed, um, his ability to catch in coverage. I mean, it's it's un, it's otherworldly. Um, yeah, uh, tell me what you saw. I mean, I know you you didn't weren't able to see it all, but um, did you get any sense of the health of Josh Allen's arm from what you saw? I know he threw mm. three hundred and thirty yards, but the ball didn't seem to have the same zip on it. Or was that just me? Um. I think, I think it had the same zip on it. I thought he was trying hard not to show that he was injured. Okay. And he might have been he might have been yanking some balls that, you know, and pulling some balls that, you know, he otherwise wouldn't have thrown. I thought his decision making was not very good. Okay. Um, I, I thought he made a couple of key like the two interceptions. The first off, uh, why are the Bills going for it on fourth and two up by ten? Right. At, at, inside the ten yard line. I mean, that just makes no sense. That is a coaching error. That, that 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 warrants you know real talking to about that. I mean that's a bad decision. And then let alone having to try and make too many plays, throws it right into Patrick Peterson's hands. And then obviously at the end, I mean I'm not really sure what he's looking at trying to zing a ball right down the middle of the field from 30 yards out, you know, into a lot of coverage against the veteran corners already picked you off. I mean I, I thought he, I thought he tried not to show that he was injured. And I think it showed that he was laboring a little bit when he was trying to make these ridiculous throws. Right. I, I thought he made some pretty poor decisions that ended up. I mean, let's let's be real about this, Gene. Though, can we be real about this? Sure. The Vikings have won seven straight games by one score. Yeah. And it took them a fumbled snap at the goal line, <laughs> and um, and the greatest catch of all time yeah. just to get the game to overtime. Right. Okay. Well, I, again, are we buying that they're a Super Bowl contender? Well, are we buying it? No, I'm not. Because, and I'll tell you what. I mean, we, I talked about this last week. I I've said that Kirk Cousins is a guy that in big spots doesn't come up big. And you know what? He wasn't very good in that game. I mean, I know Jefferson made some great catches, but when you look at at at, at Cousins' numbers overall, he was. It wasn't like he uh, was phenomenal in that game. I so I I think he's one of. I think he's the weak link in the chain. I, I think he's serviceable. Obviously, he's been what he is. Like he puts right. up numbers, he's consistent. He doesn't turn the ball over. Fine, he is what he is, 
and, and, and we can live with that, right? What the Vikings do better than anybody, they play in the fourth quarter extremely well. Yeah. And they don't give up points in the fourth quarter. They, they figure out ways to win in the fourth. And is that a sustainable thing? In my years of watching this game, to, to play badly for three quarters or, or play maybe average for three quarters and then play excellent for the fourth, I just don't know if that's sustainable. And I, I want to believe in this team. They're fun. They're, they're a groovy team. I love how they're kind of like the cardiac Vikings, I guess you would say. Right. Um, but the Delta Sky Club is a great place when you win. I just don't know if it's sustainable to keep going up there and wearing gold chains because you you got to come from behind win for the seventh week in a row. Well, you, um, I, I don't know. I don't know. Can you can you could you draw a similarity between the Vikings and the Titans in that you have serviceable quarterbacks, not necessarily superstars, but then you have Derrick Henry, and then on Minnesota side you have Dalvin Cook. I mean, so you have great running backs to help these, if you want to call them serviceable quarterbacks. I mean, isn't there, there's a little bit of a similarity there. Yeah, I think Dalvin Cook, Alexander Madison, I mean, they both really provide, you know, that nice one-two punch. I think the Titans are probably a grittier team, okay. or a tougher team, that, that they actually get out to leads and then kind of hold on to them. So, you know, I, I don't know. I, it, that, to me, seems like a more successful model is let's get out to a lead let's hold on to it in the fourth quarter if we need to play it well yeah yeah Yeah. Uh, in the fourth quarter if we need it like we will we'll go instead of like hey let's get down 10 points every game and then come back you know i mean what do you think is easier you know so i i I got i got more faith in the titans honestly with their defense because the vikings defense still has a ton of problems but uh i got more confidence with the titans than i do with the vikings to be honest with you that's fair um so we gotta we gotta talk about it again, and and I'm just gonna keep talking yeah. about it because I love to hear your your reaction every week. But at what point do we say two is playing pretty well? Oh my goodness, Dan! Dan, <laughs> look, look, hey, look. Here's the thing. All right, last week, you know, Tyree Kill had a pedestrian game, five catches, forty four yards. Right? I mean, he mm-hmm. he spread the ball out last week. He threw to seven different receivers. He Hill had five, Waddle had four, Sherfield had four, Ingle had four. I mean, he he really spread the ball out. Twenty five of thirty two, three touchdowns, no picks. I mean, at what point? And and you know, you read headlines and they're saying, "Geez, we got to start thinking about Tua for MVP." Now, let's not get carried away. I say, however. Is it is it is there a come a point, Dan, where you say it's not just Tyreek Hill and 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 Waddle? It's that maybe this guy actually isn't that bad. Um, <laughs> look, I, I can't say I can't say that he is playing poorly. You know, I don't think he is. I think the competition that he's played is pretty bad. You know, I I I just I I don't believe this team has what it takes to win big time football games deep in the season. I just don't. And, and, and that doesn't have really anything to do with, with Tua necessarily. I think it has to do with the broader aspect of the team, but I'll I'll continue to say it. You know, people want to see what they want with their eyeballs. Hill and Waddle, you get other guys open. I mean, it just is a fact you know, that, 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 that's the case. Now, Tua made some incredible throws. I, I'm not going to deny him. He made one throw in the back of the end zone that was incredible, you know, in that game. But, I mean, again, we're, we're talking about teams like, like the Bears and, and, and some 
bad defenses, some really bad defenses. And, you know, I, I just don't see, again, I, I think if they upgraded their, if they upgraded their quarterback, they'd be unstoppable. Let's just put it as a matter of fact. Wow. If Waddle and Hill are not there, I'm sorry. This is a this is a 500 football team, okay, or less. Okay, they just are. And and if they upgraded their quarterback, they wouldn't be that way. They wouldn't need Waddle and Hill. They they could they could plug in wide receiver B, wide receiver C, and it, it would work. You know, if of course you have to have the right chemistry and all that stuff. But you know, I also question the coaching. I mean, the coaching scheme is great, but scheme only gets you so far. I mean, there have been so many stupid decisions by that coach in the fourth quarter that haven't come back to bite them yet. Right. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm, again, I know people are excited. I know people think I have this anti-Miami bias. I'm telling you what I see, and I'm telling you what the numbers say. And the numbers say that Waddle and Hill are getting other receivers open, making it easier for Tua. That doesn't mean Tua makes every throw is a bad thrower. He can't throw the football accurately. He can. Right. There's flashes in the pan, but that's what they are. They're flashes in the pan. Okay, that's fair. Uh, Tom Brady last week plays in Germany, seemed to have a good time, and uh, they they win a game against Seattle, a game I really didn't think they would win, to be honest with you. Uh, and when, uh, you know, but uh, give him a lot of credit, give Brady a lot of credit. It wasn't his greatest game, but he was pretty good. I thought the Bucks finally did something that they haven't been doing all year. Play defense, and, and that's, that's no. I, I think they they ran they ran that they ran the football. They did, yes, yeah, true. They ran the football effectively. They said, "Lenny, you're sitting. We're starting the kid, Rashad White," and they actually were able to figure out a way to run the football in Seattle. Was that? Was and that, they also play defense. That's was, true. Was, <laughs> was that the first time all season that they've actually run the ball more than they've passed the ball? I think so. I mean, I think it has to be because they just have, they've been. What are they averaging? Three yards a carry? Something like that. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the worst marks yeah. in football. I mean, it's terrible. But they finally figured out a, a scheme and they and they stuck with it, and that opened up the play action game and it opened up a lot of things. They also did a great job uh, in limiting the run game of Seattle. I thought Seattle was a little cavalier with, you know, just sticking to running the football. Right. I thought Tampa. I thought Tampa really did a good job of stopping that, and they put him in a lot of third and long situations. Look, I mean, like I said, it's not going to be pretty. It's not going to look great. I don't think they're, you know, at the level of the Eagles or or the Forty ers or even the Vikings right now. But if they make the playoffs, Gene, and I think there's a great chance they will. Right. Watch out. I'm just telling you that yeah. you're going to be surprised at how deep this team can go because they're still talented, they're still getting healthy, and they still got the big guy in the back. One of one of the reasons I brought up the defense is just I thought that the difference in this game or the key to this game was the fact that the uh, Bucks ran 25 more plays in this game than the Seahawks. 25. That's yeah. a, That's a lot. Well, I mean, that's a product of the defense getting the, they're getting the offense off the field. Yeah. I mean, that's what you had to do. You had to limit the explosive plays, and the Bucks are really good at limiting explosive plays. The Seahawks are really good at getting explosive plays. There's your rub, and the Bucks won that battle. Right. And that, that really, really, I think, brought down the level of the Seahawks' offense, where now, hey, okay, well, you're not getting explosive plays. We have to be patient with it, and I don't think they have the patience to not throw the ball deep enough. 
the Bucks did a great job in that. So I, I thought they were fantastic. Godwin had a big game. Um, you know, I, I know Brady obviously, you know, was pretty much mistake free. Had yep. a, the, the one thing that they did, I mean, stupid having Leonard Fournette throw it to Tom Brady down. I mean, <laughs> you want to cost your team the game, right? You throw it to Tom Brady's 45 year old, you know, giraffe looking running style. And <laughs> you know, that's probably not a good plan. So maybe we scrap that play. Yeah. How about that? I, but I other than that, I thought they played a good game. Yeah. I don't think we'll see that one again before we get to uh, this week's games. Um, I just want to, uh, we're in a situation right now in the NFL where we have two divisions, where theoretically the entire division could make the playoffs in the American, uh, the the AFC East, right? All five teams, right, or all four teams right now are in playoff position, and then you look in the Best N- division of football. You yeah. look in the NFC East, and the Washington Commanders right now could be in the playoffs. Think about that. We Watch could, out. How about the NFC East, which, which what a couple of years ago didn't have a team over five hundred. Talk about how things have changed. All of a sudden could have every team uh, in the playoffs. That's crazy. That's It's never happened. Yeah. This, uh, this AFC East reminds me of the late 90s when you had a bunch of, you know, the Bills were still relevant. Yep. Miami had Marino, and they right. were killing it. The Pats were, had Parcells and those teams. And the Jets made an AFC title game in 98. I mean, right. and Parcells was there too. I mean, there, there was a lot of – commotion going on i mean it wasn't the afc east at the time but right. it, those four teams i mean those teams were were you know fighting for playoff spots all the time and and the nfc east is, is typical because it's you know they never have a team win back-to-back divisional titles so i'm not surprised at all with with the fact that dallas is good the eagles are good but the giants i mean the giants being this good i, I mean i you you could have sold me the bridge in brooklyn that they go over every day i mean like that's unbelievable that's unbelievable washington kind of middling at 500 but a tough gritty team again with their coach you know i mean this is the league i told you that this year there are no good teams and there, there are no great teams and there are no terrible teams it's everybody's either good kind of bad or somewhere in the middle so you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I think it would be something if if the AFC East got everybody in. That would be, you know, I, I, I don't think anybody in the AFC East would complain about it. Let's put it that way. Um, let's just uh, let's just stay with that for a second. There's seven or eight games left, depending on which team in the AFC East you have. Um, yeah. To me, if you look at the remaining games, to me, the Buffalo Bills are going to. They may they're not going. They may not run the table, but I could see the Buffalo Bills finishing up the season, maybe winning seven out of eight or six out of eight. I mean, I, I think yeah. I think right now I, I like their chances, and I think I like the Dolphins' chances, and probably probably the Patriots better than I like the Jets. I still think the Jets may be end up being the odd man out because the fact that they're six and three still continues to blow me away. Um, yeah. <laughs> But Look, I, th- I think the the bills the bills certainly have a cakewalk. Yeah, I think There's so. No yeah. question about that. Yep. Um, so I think they'll win the division still. Miami's interesting. I want to know if again, like I told you, I want to know deep into the season in December, with teams starting to figure out the scheme, how they do. I want to know that they still have to go to Buffalo. They still have to go to New England. Okay. Yep. They still have other tough games on that schedule. I mean. Uh, you can't put it past, and this is the time of year we know the Patriots play well in this in this type of in this type of weather and this type of time where they start to figure it out. Now is the time, obviously. The Jets, I still think, are a quarterback away. 
Um, if they could ever figure that one out. But they're going to be a tough team. It's not going to be easy to beat them. There's no question. Yep. Uh, it's not going to be just a cakewalk it's been for the last couple of years. You're right. I mean, I, I do think, and I think the Patriots – Patriots got the a Patriots pre- schedule. They got a good it's schedule. brutal. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's. I, I don't know if I, it, they have the third hardest schedule the rest of the way. Yep. Third hardest. So uh, in the NFL. So you know they got to go to Buffalo. They got Buffalo coming in. They got Miami uh, coming in. They got Cincinnati coming in. They got to go to Minnesota. Right. Um. You know, there's. It's not easy. It's, I, it's see, definitely not easy. So I, I see we'll them. See. I, I I do think that they can make it in, but I'm just not. I'm not extremely confident. They have to do what they did last year. Right now, it's the time to put the pedal to the metal. I got them. I got them going four and four in the last eight, and finishing up nine and eight. That's okay. What, that's what so I nine got. and eight. Yeah, and and I got the Dolphins winning. I think the Dolphins. I think the, the only games I see the Dolphins losing the rest of the way. I think they're going to lose at San Francisco. I think they'll lose at the Bills, and I think they'll lose at the Patriots. But I think they can beat the Texans and the Chargers and the Packers and the Jets. So that would put them at four and three, eleven and six. I mean, hell, I mean, they'll be one of the top uh, two or three seeds with an eleven and six record. There's a possibility. Yeah. So, all right, let's get to this week's games, my friend. And you took one on the chin last week. Two and, yeah. Two and five last week. Two and five. I should have taken. I should have taken the Packers. I shouldn't. Have, I shouldn't have chickened out. I told you I've taken the Cowboys' butt. And you then, did. Yeah, you, you did. Know, so I feel like I should get at least half a point for that. But I don't know. But hey, there's no almost. There's no. There's no. You know, close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades, as you know. So all right, let's uh, let's get to this week's games. We'll start off in Indianapolis. The Eagles coming off that loss. The Colts coming off a shocking win. How about how about that, Jeff Saturday? Unbelievable! It's Jeff Saturday. Everybody's been killing the guy all week, and all they do is win the game. Uh, but they are. Tell you how bad the Raiders are. Uh, yeah, I'm, that. I'm telling you. Terrible. I'm telling you, they are a six and a half point dog at home. Yeah, I, I look. They're at home. I think that that's going to be. They're going to be fired up for for Saturday coming back. First game in in the old barn out there. Philly, um, if Philly might have won on Monday, I might have picked the Colts. But um, I, I think I think with the loss, I know people are saying, oh, bounce back spot, bounce back spot. You know, um, my friend Matty Ice on the show said, be careful because I think people are going to really assume the Eagles are going to bounce back off a loss. And you, you, you may have a Colts team that's still riding the wave, of of this new coach thing they found a run game they started matt ryan uh which obviously is better than sam ellinger right um but can their defense hold up that's my question and i don't know i think i think the eagles i think the eagles still have when they had the ball when they had the ball they were good on offense right i mean they were they had some unfortunate turnovers um that were kind of you know strange plays they missed a face mask call they fumbled a long catch you know, I mean, there was a couple of things there. The Eagles don't have to clean up much to win this game. I, I think the Eagles will win it. Uh, the Giants are at home. They are a three-point favorite against Detroit. Detroit pulls off a shocker last week, ruining, ruining another incredible game by Justin Fields by winning that game last week. So yeah. uh, Detroit with a lot of momentum going into New York. The Giants a three-point favorite. Yeah, this is toughy. I, I don't like this game again. Again, I, I I want to think that you know maybe the Giants are are that good, but it's getting hard for me to 
to feel that way knowing this, but the Lions are just so bad, um, uh, unfortunately. And, yeah, they've won two in a row, and, and give them credit, but they've won it on very strange, you know, high-scoring shootout game right. against the Bears, and then previously won it with their defense against the Packers. So, you know, I don't know. Th- those are two teams that aren't very good. Giants, I guess, are a little step up in competition here. Uh, I think it's close, but I'll take the Giants to win the game. Okay. Uh, let's go uh, to Foxborough. The Jets uh, looking for revenge, and but they have to get it in Foxborough. The Patriots are a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Yeah, I mean, uh, let's say this. I mean, both teams coming off the bye. You think, okay, Jets have enough time to tell Zach Wilson, hey, don't be an idiot. Don't throw it to them, you right. know, like you do every game. Right. Um, it also gives two weeks for New England to figure out what they want to do offensively against this defense. And I and I think seeing them before, I think they're good there. And getting relatively healthy again, I think that'll give the Patriots enough. I just don't see the Jets being able to move the football as much on – you know, this defense, this defense is out, outstanding, very similar to like the Broncos, right? They're like a better version of the Broncos where their defense is carrying them a lot of the time, but their offense is doing just enough to like score points where the Broncos can't score any points at all. Um, so, you know, to me, the defense is going to carry this. And I think hopefully, hopefully the offense has had two weeks to figure out a defense that they've already played. I'll take the Patriots to win. And I think they probably cover that three points as well. The Washington Commanders trying to hang on to a playoff spot. And you look at, I mean, I'll tell you what, uh, they are on the road. They're at Houston. Washington's actually a three-point favorite on the road. Um, And here's the thing. I'm a little, I have to give Washington credit for this. And, and, And it has nothing to do, by the way, with Daniel Snyder. It has to do with the players themselves. With all the crap that's circling around that team with their owner and and now being sued by 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 DC and everything else. I mean, you have to you have to give these players a lot of credit to be able to filter out all this other crap, you know, going around the franchise. So uh, they're actually a favorite this week. Yeah, they're a favorite. They're coming off a huge win. I mean, that's a massive thing. They, they've really done wonders for the city, and and the fact that you know it sounds like they're going to get sold. You know, they give the city something to you know look forward to. Um, and, and you know they're in the playoffs. They're in the playoffs right now. I mean, I, right. I think if if they if they win a couple more games, you know, and this is a winnable game for them, uh, they could certainly put themselves in the playoffs and 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 have, give their fans even something more to cheer for. Which is why I'm taking the Houston Texans on the upset <laughs> special because I think this is the perfect time, the perfect time to fade the Washington Commanders. I mean, right. come on now. I mean, I get it. I get it. They're playing really good football. They're going to run the ball on Houston. We all know that. that. That's the strategy to beat them. Houston has a tough time stopping the run. But if you remember, Houston also played Philadelphia really well two weeks ago. They did, yes. And, and, and was able to throw the ball on them a lot. I don't think that this Washington pass defense is, is, good, is, is very good at all. Um, and, and the Texans are getting better and healthier on, at the wide receiver position. Can they do enough at the, on the offensive side of the ball? Can 24 points win this game? I think it could. I, I do like Texans here. I think, I think this is going to be a sleepwalk game. For Washington coming off a short week, the second straight road game, and a much longer trip, I think they're in for a surprise. I'm going to take the Texans to get their second win. Uh, Cincinnati is at Pittsburgh. 
Cincinnati is a three and a half point favorite. The Bengals right now at five and four. They don't have a lot of margin for error. I mean, I know they're they're only a game behind Baltimore, but Baltimore is a by far superior team in my opinion. Um, but the Bengals, with with the way the rest of the AFC is shaken out, they don't have a lot of room for error here. They are uh, a three and a half point favorite at Pittsburgh. They are, and, and I mean, have, haven't we heard this song and dance before, Gene? With Pittsburgh as a dog at home, I mean, that is just quintessential Mike Tomlin spot here right. for his team to get up off the mat and get a big win against the team. But by the way, the last time they played them in week one, got they got seven sacks on Joe Burrow. Right. You know, and, and you say, well, they haven't had TJ Watt in a while. Well, TJ Watt is back. Right. And he is, he, he changes the game for them defensively. He really does with no Jamar chase in this game either. Look, I just think if this, this is one that the Steelers just have the Bengals number. Um, I like the Bengals. They're playing really good football right now. Um, but I, I think that they could run into a big roadblock here coming off the bye, sleepy week, going into Pittsburgh, tough environment. Um, Pittsburgh may not have a good offense. They, they really don't have a very good offense at all. But defensively, I think they can stifle the, the Bengals, and, and this might be another overtime game. I'm going to take the Steelers to get the upset. All right, last one, game of the week. Dallas is at Minnesota. Dallas is a point-and-a-half favorite. And, and here we go again. We just talked about, you know, whether Minnesota can find a way to, uh, to play four quarters of football instead of having to come from behind. Uh, very interesting one here. Point-and-a-half favorite for the Cowboys. Does that strike you as interesting that Minnesota had just beat Buffalo yeah. on the road? Now they come home. They're home. And they're dogs. I guess yeah. the Dallas team that just lost to Green Bay and they're dogs. Yeah, I know. Does that strike you as interesting? Well, it tells you that the uh, the odds makers are thinking the same thing you are. They're thinking the same thing I am. They're yep. thinking Dallas is going to win this game, and yep. they are. I mean, this is this is it. I mean, we we saw this with the Giants a couple of weeks ago. Where like, at some point, this stuff has to end, you know. And and and, and you know, the law of averages has to come into play here, right? I think I think the Cowboys get a victory here, and really because I think they're going to get Kirk Cousins off of his platform. And they're going to be able to 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 give a lot of pressure, and that's going to be a big concern for them. If Kirk Cousins is not able to be set and throw, um, even under pressure, if he's set, he's good. But if he's under pressure and he's running around, I think that's going to expel disaster for Minnesota. And I think the other thing too is the the Dallas offense since Dak has come back by the numbers, by those hated DBOA numbers, yeah. they're the number four offense in the league. I mean, they've been playing outstanding, regardless of what you saw. I mean, think about it. Minnesota down by 10 in Buffalo, and all those crazy things happened. They win the game. The Cowboys were like 175-0 and 0 when they were up by 14 in the fourth quarter. Right. That was the first time they ever lost right. in, in the fourth quarter, up by two touchdowns. I mean, that's crazy. But, but, but let's, let's think about that. How is the luck involved in that one? It's incredible. So I'm going to take the Cowboys here. I 100% agree. It's my favorite pick of the week. Um, Dallas Cowboys win in Minnesota. Um, not to rub salt on the wound, but uh, you kind of were worried about this game last week uh, when uh, Liberty went up to UConn and fell to the Huskers. Yeah. And, I, and I watched this game, and I was thinking about you the entire time, and you was like, boy, talk about a trap game, and this was it. And kind of kind of bit you guys in the behinds a little bit. Yeah, no question. I think, you know, 
I've been saying it for a few weeks now. It, it was a trap game, and, you know, I, it just ran into it. Listen, I'll tell you something. Being at that game, and I was there in Hartford, it was an unbelievable atmosphere. I mean, I, I like, good on UConn for getting that crowd. There were 15,000 people at the game. It sounded like 50,000. Wow. I mean, it was it was loud at that stadium, and they played fantastic. They got big plays in the fourth quarter. We got some big plays, too. Um, we just couldn't execute at the end there. Uh, you know, it, it stinks and it sucks, but we're just going to move on, and congratulations to UConn. They deserved it. Um, we got Virginia Tech this weekend coming in. Um, tough, tough week for us um, in terms of, you know, what's going on here in Virginia um, or Virginia's strongest week for those UVA players. So that's going to be a big part of of this uh, of this game. Is I I I, I, I we're going to be a little tribute this week to to those UVA players this week, and it's going to be a good matchup for us in Virginia Tech. And I think we'll be hungry, no question. And I think we'll come out swinging, and we're going to try and win the game. Well, good luck to uh, uh, Liberty this week, and uh, you know just that, that, that what happened in Virginia. It's one of those things that you you see that, and it's and and to, and if, to find out it was a former player. I mean, just uh, that's got to be. I mean, that had to be. It, it's not just shocking to the player to people at in at the University of Virginia. I mean, that had to really yeah. rock your campus as well, didn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And and there had been other tragedies that had happened in the Lynchburg area. The last week has just been really just really crime ridden and you know i it's it's been really rough we've had a, a local shooting at a restaurant that that is very popular i mean it it was just it's it, it's been a tough week here and and i think that you know people need something uplifting this week and you know for both sides honestly for yeah. virginia tech and for and for us so you know that's really what the the accomplishment we hope for is and obviously we want to win the game but you know i i think we need to bring some people a little bit of levity because uh, it's just been a tough time down here. So we're working towards that. Well, I hope you guys can provide the tonic uh, that uh, that state needs. So uh, good luck this week, Dan. Thanks for a few minutes, and we'll look forward to talking to you next week. You're welcome, Gene. You are the best. God right. bless, and I'll see you next week for Turkey Day. Sounds great. Dan Zampano here on Sports Country Radio. That is going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back next week with another edition of The Wake Up Call. We're going to leave you with some Eagles this morning. Take it easy. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.